on ecumenical matter. Hello and welcome to Ecumenical Matters, the Father Ted podcast. Uh, today we're discussing The Passion of Centipulus, the third episode of the first season, first shown on the 5th of May 1995. Uh, I'm here discussing today with a special guest, Derm. Uh, Derm is a video and uh, voiceover artist, so if you want to uh, give us a rundown of what you've been up to recently there, Derm. Well, um, I actually run a current YouTube channel and I do uh, voiceovers for video games and small projects, independent gaming uh, in Northern Ireland. I also write articles and do photography. And like, uh, The YouTube channel, you can get me on past t of skin and my website is pastichoflife.com so that kind of aggregates all the stuff here as always is uh, ash sooner on our tech desk so basically uh, we're looking this week at uh, the passion of Centipulus, and this is by far and away one of the most stone cold classic episodes of father ted of all time <laughs> yes yeah, so uh, it is gone beyond it's transcended just merely an episode of tv show now down with that sort of thing has become one of the most no, careful real... now it's not actually being used <laughs> yeah, careful now. now down with that sort of thing uh, it's popped up everywhere in real life uh in real protests and just to take a piss Sad out of the protest right. or to take a piss out of the fact they have to protest or just to remind people that they saw Father Ted once and have a bit of a laugh with it. I do like it because it's used so often now it's actually just that this is all one big joke that we even have to be here today. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Because <laughs> it comes through in that episode so well. This is a, they don't want to be there but they're still protesting. <laughs> well, there's only going to be seven people in the cinema that doesn't open for seven hours. Uh, I'll just do a quick rundown of where places that uh, that sign has showed up actually. Um... One of the ones was a Tory party conference in 2013 uh, when the Tories were, you know, being arseholes as they always are. The water charges protests in Dublin, uh, uh, I suppose that's a pretty easy link to get to. Uh, the water charges are very unpopular in the Republic of Ireland and, you know, people are coming out in the streets in their hundreds of thousands. It's probably the most politest complaint I've actually heard about the water charges. Everything else is actually the fact that it's been quite virulent and angry. This is actually the tamest thing. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is the safe for work version of the yeah. protest. Uh, two Irish fans, there's actually a very famous photo of two, two lads with like Ireland jerseys standing in front of a whole line of riot police in Poland during the year of 2012. <laughs> with careful out, doing that sort of thing. Uh, and uh, the Irish fans in Poland were, you know, praised for how, how much fun they had, how much festivities they brought to the whole event I didn't know there was a little to no aggression because it's kind of like that was the mantra <laughs> exactly exactly uh, and the one that I want to ask you specifically about Derm and I found this uh, from the IMDB page uh, yeah. it shows up in a Warhammer game a group of goblins apparently called Empire Flagellants uh, have, a, <laughs> have a sign that also says down with this sort of thing do you, well, you can tell it's actually almost like a mimetic joke to actually have anyway because so it's like, it doesn't just appear in those, those signs it's one of many signs they have up but that shows how culturally penetrative Father yeah. is it, that, it's that's everywhere exactly, yeah. that's it, it is a TV trope for just calm down it's not that bad <laughs> But we'll go in anyway. It, it, there's actually a little moment with Hernandez, so it's a, it's a, it's a, somebody uses an internet phrase, a big lipped alligator moment. It's a, he appears, he does his thing, and he doesn't really involve in anything else in the no, episode. Yeah, this is true. He's, he just disappears completely from the series. There's never any mention of him hiding or uh, hiding her tail again. Like, um, <laughs> and he opens it. <laughs> yeah, it, he's the first. It's the first person on the screen, and yet. You know, it never, if this was the first episode of the series of all time, like you'd be expecting them to show up somewhere. <laughs> exactly. You know, because they do actually have a little bit of a through line through the episodes. Not completely. People exist in this world. Yes, they, exactly. Yeah. One hit jokes. That character is actually played by an Indian actor, which I find interesting. An uh, Indian actor playing yeah. a Cuban. A Cuban, yeah. So there okay. was a bit of a controversy. We've been watching uh, what's the show? The uh, Aziz show. Aziz Master actor. of None. Master of None. There was a big controversy about. Uh, do you remember Short Circuit? Short Circuit, and uh, like I, I think he was my favorite Indian. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so this is almost the reverse: an Indian character, or an Indian actor playing a character from another country. Completely. They complain about this in Doctor Strange, aren't they? Now. Yeah. Well, they're, the big one in Doctor Strange is that Tilda Swindon is playing the ancient one, but there's a lot of like political awkwardness about that because it's meant to be Tibetan but they want the movie to show in China so they can't have it be Tibetan and to cast a Chinese person as a Tibetan would be are you insane? Right, <laughs> so okay. they decided to change it so that she's a Celt. Uh, so yeah, so if we first uh, see them and they're actually playing Cluedo with Father Hernandez. Now, have you ever played Cluedo? Yes. Have you? I actually yeah. love Cluedo. Uh, they do take a long time. <laughs> yeah, but I've only played it like two or three times. Like I've seen it on TV much more than I've ever played it. What do you mean the movie? I haven't actually seen the movie, no. <laughs> but yeah, what, what do you think of it, Ash? You... I can't remember playing it recently, but I definitely had it in the house. I do remember, like, nearly every time I've played it, it generally doesn't end because it gets a table flip. Oh, does it? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's Monopoly for me in, yeah. in my household. Like, Monopoly, because there is no actual end game, or every time you think you're at it, Somebody they, yeah, they've got money. another way out of, like, borrowing money from the bank or, you know, getting a, selling their properties and stuff. Yeah. You I, cannot eliminate players in Monopoly. It lasts for fucking days. But <laughs> <laughs> it's just fact of how, how economically feasible are you? <laughs> well, yeah, with, with Cluedo, though, it, it does feel like it should have an end point. It's just like with these three gentlemen sitting around the table as well. I, I, it's almost like it's bizarre that their communication is so clear. Whether it's a, like they're maybe trying to discover somebody who's a murderer, but one of them's not speaking the same language as the other people. But yeah, I wanted to bring that up actually. So they dub Father Hernandez with uh, an English language dub. I love it. <laughs> and it it's, it's a brilliant joke. It's brilliant. It works brilliantly with the episode. Because obviously Ted and Dougal, you know, if you want to say in kayfabe, are, are hearing someone speaking Spanish, but they can still completely understand them. And so can Mrs. Doyle, because she reacts to his, uh, to his leers by sort of storming out of the room. Now, I don't know this for certain, but I think that might have been a play on Sinn Féin. We're trying to get, you know, more Republican uh, viewpoints onto the news and stuff. Mm. And Jerry Adams and uh, Martin McGuinness and everything were on BBC News. Right. Uh, Margaret Thatcher insisted that they'd never be allowed to show their actual voices. So the BBC News would have a, a video of Jerry Adams, but it would have an actor speaking the exact same words as he was over his visuals. So it was absolutely bizarre. It was clear. What accent? Well, in a Belfast accent, so do you know, right. do you know uh, the guy from Get My Head Peace, mm. uh, the guy with the beard? Tim McGarry? Tim McGarry, yeah, yes, Tim McGarry. So he, that was actually one of his early gigs. Was, was doing that do, voice? Was doing that, his That's voice. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so he, it was clearly not Jerry Adams' voice, and he was clearly speaking English, uh, but they decided that this is how to, you know, deprive them of the oxygen of publicity. Now, I don't know if that's what Graham Linton and Arthur Matthews were intending to do, Yeah. but that's certainly what came into my head. It's brilliant because it's such a generic... Jerry voice it sounds like it's coming out of a voice synthesizer yes. so monotone but the guy's obviously quite upbeat and changes his tone as he's talking yes. it's just like he completely it completely eradicates any sense of emotion in his voice but yeah. you can tell that he's actually being evocative and then I can imagine that being the same with somebody trying to give a delivered meaningful speech and then just have somebody deadpan it over the top of what they're saying <laughs> yeah and one of the first things that actually comes up here is that Ted actually misses the buzz of the big city now we've seen this in the two earlier episodes uh, so they actually are, have been hammering this home quite a lot in the first three episodes uh, he actually says those words I miss the buzz of the big city right. so he's really frustrated by being stuck on the island but we do get a clue of his background he came from Wexford is his former parish oh, that's a big smoke yeah well do you know anything about Wexford because I know <laughs> I, all I, I know I woke up in Wexford one time and I didn't know how I got there on a Sunday morning but that's a story for another day it's not exactly the most bustling city in the world <laughs> on a Sunday morning at 9am that's the that's the first lines of your your big blue set. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Springsteen would, would, uh, would eat that up. 
But yes, and we have a clip here. Now, the first mention of one of the most significant secondary characters on the show, pretty much the big villain of the show, is Len Brennan, the bishop of their parish. Yeah. And we can hear what they think of Len. <laughs> Sometimes this celibacy is hard for a man. Hey. Yes, well, uh, you have to take the rough of the smooth, I suppose. Bishop Brennan springs to mind. Oh, yes? Yes, Bishop Len Brennan. He's our kind of boss. <laughs> Apparently, he was uh, at the old <laughs> himself, and the union was blessed, so they say. No. No. Nino Nina. Boy or girl? A son. He lives in America, or so goes the rumor, anyway. Bishop Brennan has actually done the dirty, uh, mm. and he's got a woman pregnant. Now, this <gasps> this is a big scandal. This is actually definitely based on a real uh, situation with Aye. the Bishop of Galway. Uh, the man's name was Eamon Casey. Aye. Now, he actually was much more prominent within the church than I actually realised. Mm. He founded the Homeless Charity Shelter, which is still going very strong at the minute. It's very prominent in London, especially at the minute, mm. um, because homelessness is becoming a serious big issue since the Tories came back in. Mm -hmm. He allowed a young woman whose marriage had broke down to live in his parochial house. This was Annie Murphy and what happened then was they fell into a relationship got, and course. she got pregnant. Now he wanted to push for an adoption but she didn't want to give up her baby so she fled eventually to Connecticut in America. So even that's mentioned he's got a baby in America. Yeah. yeah. They couldn't get any more on the nose really. Yeah. I think they wanted to just bring up every detail about it. It was a bit of a celebrity by the looks of things, because right. he sang on the Lit Lit Show as a part of a fundraiser for Trocra. Casey has a very public image, like, at the time. Okay, see, I didn't realise that. I, I thought he was just known as the Bishop of Galway. No, no, I mean, there's actually, there's um, a song Christy Murr sings called Casey. Casey, Casey, <laughs> you're the devil. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's actually that one, but it's a, there is a Casey song I know. Right, and it's about the Bishop of Galway. Oh, I must, yeah. I must oh, look that I, up. I think it's a more clip. referential rather than actually being really directly about his misdemeanours, but it might be just about him being a bit of a lad. Well, see, the thing was, like, that was the biggest controversy in Ireland probably since you know since partition like since the foundation of the state that well, fundamentally a priest had got a woman pregnant well, a well, bishop <gasps> the people that we trust the most exactly yeah. uh, so like there was a big there was a big hoo-ha about this mm. and what we've become to learn about the catholic church since i mean what he did was absolutely nothing like yeah <laughs> he, he had a child with a consenting adult you know, and, the, and whenever it did come to light, he resigned and walked away, and then continued his missionary work outside of that. Just like yeah. he, he didn't didn't leave the faith in any way shape or form. He just he just left the position where he was not allowed to have a family like that, and just went and did other things to help people. The least harmful thing yeah. you could probably imagine. Possibly there might be a little bit of an idea that there would be somebody in a fragile or uh, humble situation that could have gone wrong, but in the fact the support and everything was there afterwards, he's, well, yeah, he, he, didn't, he didn't run, run off as far as I know. Uh, well, he, he definitely provided some financial support, and as you say, he, he resigned as soon as he realised the, the story was going to go public. Mm -hmm. He offered his resignation, and then the next day she had an interview on RT Radio. Uh, and just give all the details and he, he said that this is what I've done I'm sorry I've... there was a bit of controversy in that he had used parish funds mm -hmm. to help for uh, college education for the son so uh, well, that I'm might be yeah that's uh, that, money yeah, in fact the money side is, it always comes back to the money yeah this is all it because he signed over a cheque for $125,000 which was a bloody lot of money even mm -hmm. for a bishop especially in Ireland back then like, yeah. so 
Like he can't have got that from his own personal, no, own personal funds, unless he had been saving very, very wisely. But I think that one moment caused a massive rift in trust that essentially went like, no, the the, the priest who comes around your house on the Sunday and you give him the sheaves of ham and all the tea in the world. Why are you here? <laughs> this, yeah, exactly. I mean, that one moment of Bishop Galway being. Outed mm. as you know, a heterosexual man. <laughs> a heterosexual <laughs> man. <laughs> well, it's it's been attributed to uh, breaking down the authority uh, mm. of the Catholic Church in Ireland, uh, and I would say I think Father Ted probably did that. It's not more so than definitely as much because I was of the age and you were probably as well. Yeah. I remember a priest coming into the classroom at school mm. and would have to drop everything. It could, he could be like two days before the eleven plus. Yeah. Uh, and it wouldn't matter. You had to drop everything and listen to him rattle on for an hour and a half. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. And, uh, you have to stand up as soon as he walks through the door and then, low father, and then you have to wait for him to let you sit down and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, even even as a child, I had a healthy distrust of authority, but uh, even then I would have still been... Like, like you, everybody who would have been a child at that age would still understand that you stop what you're doing. The level of respect was degraded by that collar like the, exactly uh, whereas Father Ted came along mm. and just completely punctured that completely con- punctured every ounce of reverence you have to have for these people because yeah. they are like as the show shows they're flawed human beings exactly exactly <laughs> and you know they're they're making stupid silly mistakes as well and the whole situation of the fact that they live like that is funny yeah <laughs> their, their world where they actually are in is funnier than them doing something wrong like, like even the, the the backstory of Brennan being who he is in this episode is actually the, the least funny thing about the episode is just like this is what this, this, yeah. is, what, this is what we're going to use as fuel but other than that everything else around this is actually the funny part and it, it actually gives Bishop Brennan a sympathetic side as mm-hmm. well which you don't see in many other episodes that he's many other in. villains either and just in general yeah or, uh, for, uh, as a comedy foil like what is it about 30 seconds of video clip mm-hmm. that they show at the end which we'll talk about but that yeah it gives them total uh, humanity then mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, going back to like when you were growing up, like how, when were you watching Father Ted? Like were you watching oh, it on the TV and stuff? Yeah, man. Uh, Father Ted, I watched as a broadcast at the time. It was, like, it was, it was, it was event television because it was before pre-recording everything and having it on demand and stuff. It's really nice to have it on demand now to go yeah. back and rewatch it because doing something like this was really good to get the get, get the giggles in. Yeah. Like, but I, I mean, it was it impacted me enough that I remember where I was when. Uh, I got news of Dermot Morgan's death. Like, oh, really? I, I know exactly where I was. I was standing inside. I don't know. I don't. I, I, it was a GameStop or Game or uh, one of those uh, video game stores actually up in Belfast. And somebody told me. And I didn't. I, I didn't know. I just knocked you flat, did it? I, well, I, I stopped what I was doing and kind of wandered over to the DVD section. And they actually had copies of it sitting there. I was like looking at it, going like, "Wow." Some randomer just came up and said that to you? Or? It was a conversation I was having with um, somebody in the store. Like, you, whenever you're a kid, you hang around stores and you don't really buy anything. So I was like browsing games and looking to see what was in pre-owned and all that kind of stuff. And uh, end up, somebody like, just brought up a conversation channel about like, funny shows and somebody told me, like they'd heard earlier on in the day. I was like, wow! Right, <laughs> it, right. It knocked me flat for a good few minutes before I kind of realised afterwards. And the fact that the show does live on so well beyond the people who have actually passed away so early after the show yeah, was as well. well, this is exact, exactly it. I mean, he died about two days after they f- finished shooting the last episode, I think. Mm. From what I remember, I've seen in a documentary, I think 
that he was sick but he did have sort of kept it quiet Aye. while they were recording the last series but yeah I mean so somebody had to tell you in a shop you didn't have a celebrity deaths twitter feed just no, that's, beat, that's, that's, that's what we, we don't have we don't, we, don't have the, we don't have the Deadpool going where you get a notification in case your bet came through yeah. <laughs> is that important that everybody knew a little bit over here my aunt told me she knew him before he was in Father's Head mm. and she was really upset by it I mean, and I, well, I, I mean what, what are I I've been about 12 at the time mm. and I, I didn't I didn't really pass much remarks on it. I, I generally don't. I don't really get upset by celebrity deaths. She knew him uh, personally or just knew him in stuff on TV? Uh, knew him in stuff on TV, oh. sorry. I, I, I was worried that I was one of those. Like, obviously, she'd be very upset with <laughs> <with> a personal <laughs> friend. So, sorry, I'll clarify that. Yeah, she knew him from stuff on TV because okay. uh, yeah, she was an avid RT uh, watcher. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so it was a shock. If I had been a bit, maybe a bit older, it probably would have shocked me even more. Like, Aye, because uh, he would have connected with the content a bit more. Because even being like that young, that you don't get all the jokes in Father Ted. Like, I mean, that's yeah. that's why everybody's probably watched it at least four more times, beginning to end, sitting in a university dorm room rather than actually sitting and watching on TV when it first broadcast it's one of those shows that was infinitely replayable because it was short easy and really really funny yeah. and stood the test of time well, well my brother's a massive fan of it and he was born in 1996 so. yeah you know it's your goal see si. yes <laughs> I think it was el reverendo green the reverend green with the knife in the drawing room. <laughs> Those Protestants, up to no good as usual. <laughs> and they're still not. <laughs> I believe it was Professor Green on the dance floor with the hot mix. <laughs> very good, very good. Thank you, thank you. He's down with the kids, you see that? Oh yeah, I'm down with the kids. Yeah. I suppose one of the things they did have to tackle at the time was the fact it was a Catholic... Divides. Uh, yeah. yeah, and... Uh, they had to see what the Protestants were up to. Now they did. They did keep the rivalry friendly, which I think you know in, a, in England and in the Republic of Ireland, the rivalry between the churches within Christianity yeah. is quite cordial. You know, but you get to where we are now and in Belfast, it's a bit more. It's a place and a time. Yeah. The, the uh, well, with Father Ted as a show, it, it, it always made jokes about denominations and everybody else going like we're, the, we're all one big joke really are we yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just the fact it's a different form of stand up yeah <laughs> well this is it I mean see, see I, I didn't realise this either when I was watching the time there was a lot of a lot of comedians who were using the priest and the priest on his pulpit as their sort of outlet Dermot Morgan had actually had a character like that Arthur Matthews had a character like that <laughs> but there was another uh, comedian who was it was very you know prominent and he, he managed to get crossed over to England and everything which was a big deal I think uh, even like there was a whole spirit of American comics that had that kind of uh, processalizing kind of comedy I mean even the people like Bill Hicks and stuff as well and, yeah. and uh, uh, people who steal from Bill Hicks like uh, Dennis <laughs> Leary since <laughs> <laughs> he had that same kind of like well, I'm Stein the pulpit and this is my people and you will listen to me as a congregation that kind of like had a pro- cult of personality behind them which is what the church was it was a cult of personality of who's behind that pulpit well, I want to show uh, another another way that the show is dated a wee bit mm. now it's it's actually not too bad when Dougal gets the video <laughs> as he says from the Cuban priest <laughs> from what I could gather from the from the video it was a JVC yeah. but it had a three week pre-record feature My, which is I, actually quite good I'm still I'm still alive of the day where I remember you rented the video tape player with the tape Oh hell! Back in the day, I used to rent the VHS, VHS player for a week and rent the tape for a day, and then you had to actually like bring the tape back, and that was the way they guaranteed your deposit kind of thing on the tape. So you came back day after day to get different tapes, and you rented the player because 
We could afford a VHS player back in the 80s, you know? Yeah, but they were about 300 pounds, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we rented it for like a fiver for the week or, and then put a deposit it in for like 25 pounds. Then you could essentially keep a customer like that. that I remember VHS but, shops doing that back in the day. And so if you paid a fiver, would that fiver paid off the total price? Like if you paid it for like two Oh, years? no, it wasn't even like a, it wasn't like a rent to buy. It was just, just renting. You just you oh, rent so it for a week at times. So, oh, nice. And right. you keep sending it back to people over and over again. It, was, it wasn't even like, it wasn't that total layaway thing. It was just you rented a tape player. But I tell you what. See, see around that era of like electronics designs mm-hmm. I bet you every single one of that equipment still worked and probably doesn't have any protection on it so you can just copy tapes as well, well yeah. <laughs> that was but, the best thing about them I mean I've got VHS's and TV's at home from like the 1980s and yeah. they're still working perfectly whereas you get like an LCD TV from like 2002 <laughs> that's how big of a gift that was that's the reason why I was like this is just a small item from our Cuban creation yeah. like these things still work yeah exactly it's probably still it's a big gift <laughs> and the other thing the three week pre-record do you remember having to look up the TV listens and get the wee number like about two weeks ahead and you'd have to type it into the VCR see Ash wouldn't remember this a bit younger than us you had to type it into the VCR uh, like a little code would be like eight or nine digits or something and the video would know that that was okay BBC 2 10pm Friday and, and that was easier than just putting the time in uh, which yes it yeah. was because you didn't have any all you had was two buttons in the front to go through yeah, all the navigation so, yeah. so you'd like to do time was tap minute by minute until you got the time that you want to start and time. if you missed it <laughs> you have to do the lap up again yeah, and I don't mean like lap it back yeah. from that beginning of that hour lap it from the beginning of that day <laughs> <laughs> so you, you just went to radio times and they had these read numbers down the bottom and you just punch in the number and it would series record for you so it was Sky Plus well before Sky Plus like, that I was like Siri record that <laughs> and yeah it worked just as well like as long as you had a, t- a blank tape in the machine that's <laughs> the biggest problem. I love Ted's reaction when he, he gets his present from the Cuban uh, priest. He obviously thinks it's a bottle of whiskey. Yeah, when he sees the shape of it, it looks so good. And it's like it's a tradition at Christmas. It's like all the presents are handed around to like, the, the older adults. Well, sure, can you remember that actually being a thing just for the priests as well whenever they came to visit? Just having a bottle of whiskey? Uh, having, a, having a bottle of song? Uh, I don't remember that myself, not in my household, but uh, it, might have been, been, it might have been definitely in my case because we we're like bar owners and that kind of thing so it was just, it was one of those <laughs> right okay right so, uh, it, was, it wasn't uh, like a, it wasn't a big thing but it was just like oh father would you like a wee drink yeah, well you might as well take the whole bottle with you yeah, <laughs> you've already opened it I mean we kept one just for you yeah. <laughs> and of course he's coming home with a boot full, uh, boot full of fucking booze <laughs> like <laughs> just going house to house that was a big duration of Christmas was just the passing of the, the whiskey everyone just got a, the other person a bottle of Jameson's uh, <laughs> and they all knew exactly what it was the ship was just a perfect cylinder line right. except for the one person who was evil enough to give you a bottle of bells or something instead yeah. <laughs> oh <laughs> bastards <laughs> we are going to play a clip though it's going to be an introduction to Mrs Doyle I need to inform you about this term I've been keeping a running tally of the amount of times Mrs Doyle says I go on <laughs> you're no, going to have a big number for this time well you think that I'm convinced it's not actually that much I think that that catchphrase has been attributed to her rather yep. than actually been, been you know wheeled out every episode hey again Sam beat me up Scotty it's one of those yeah, yeah. she does actually she obviously says it yeah. she said it twice in the first episode and we're going to see how many times now she says this right. time give the dings oh, right. isn't this grand? I'm fine thank you Mrs Doyle will you not have a cup of tea Bishop Lennon no I am not going to stay I want to get right to the point and get the hell out of here are you sure you won't have a cup I am certain thank you go on have a cup no thank you now look at everybody else is having a cup would you not have one yourself I do not have the time you'll now, feel pretty. left out you'll be Bishop Piggy in the middle I'm fine I am fine are you sure you won't have a cup just a drop no Bishop Piggy in the middle. <laughs> Just say yes, Your Grace. It's, it's quicker, believe me. All right, then, yes, Mon. I grant so. 
It really is. Yeah. It, it's one of those things where you're going like, I'm expecting her to say it so many more times now, but she just like, it's like t- taking the same idea and just like using every other variant yes. of saying, do it. <laughs> yeah, it, that's it. That's the creativity of it. Like they didn't just hammer out, ah, go on, go on, go on. Which I think was more of a thing that was like a publicity thing. They might have actually, like, it would have been the thing where maybe an episode way, way on she does it because the person's repeating back to her over and over again. But that was the only instance it might have had. I do think there is an episode somewhere down the line where she says it about four or five times no, in a row. Our, our series count now is three, <laughs> three times in three so episodes. So one per episode, essentially. Yeah, yeah like, so for, the, for, for, for an article one per episode. <laughs> Wait, okay, so that, that does make it pretty catchphrase then yeah. so far. But I think the average actually goes much lower than that. Mm. And we do have a pivotal speech about, again, go back to the fact that this was supposed to be the first episode. Ted uh, wants to know if Bishop Brennan is here to send them back to their own parishes. So we actually get a lot more background as to why they're actually on the island. So if you'd like to cue that up then, Ash. Uh, your Grace, uh, what brings you to these parts, thinking of sending us back to our parishes? <laughs> Fat chance. You're here until I tell you otherwise. You think I'd let Jack back into a normal parish after the wedding he did in Athlone, huh? <laughs> yes, but... Surely, I'm all right. No, no, no. No, no. You are here until all of that money is accounted for. I didn't know what happened to that money. Enough! You went to Las Vegas whilst that poor child was supposed to be in Lourdes. (laughs) And as for this cabbage, (laughs) the mere idea of letting him back into the real world after the Black Rock incident. Yes, that was unfair. The amount of people's lives irreparably damaged. Uh, there were only nuns. <laughs> nuns are people too. <laughs> nuns are people too. Nuns are people too. It's okay to date in as long as you don't get into a habit. It's <laughs> 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 here all week, folks. That's not representative of my normal content. <laughs> so the three priests have all had uh, backstories. Father Jack has had this wedding in Athlone, mm-hmm. and he seems very, uh, very reminiscent of the memory of that because his face is lights up when he, he thinks about the wedding in Athlone. So <laughs> I've got a wild feeling that the memories of Athlone are somebody's. Somebody's marriage got ended because he decided to actually take prima nocta. <laughs> prima nocta. <laughs> you know what prima nocta is? I don't actually. Know. It's whenever uh, it was an old trait. Whenever kings would actually like uh, go to sleep with the wife before the husband got to get married, so the priest took prima nocta. Oh <laughs> yes, Braveheart. That's yeah. it. Yeah. The money is mentioned for the first time. The money wasn't. It's not resting in his crown just yet. <laughs> but Ted, Ted <laughs> went to Vegas, ostensibly taking a, a small child's charity money. She was mm. supposed to go to Lourdes. <laughs> now, uh, people who don't know, Lourdes is uh, extremely holy. Uh, holy site. Yeah, it's a holy site. It's particularly holy in the Catholic Church. Mm. Uh, apparently, the Lady uh, of Fatima saw their mother Mary there, as in Bernadette. Mm-hmm. I might be getting these all mixed up. Please, please <laughs> rush in, in to correct me. Hmm? It's in France. It's in France. It's south of France. It's in the Pyrenees. I don't know uh, I don't know how high up or anything. I have been there. Um, <laughs> like, I've been there, but totally memories not, just... Uh, yeah, I was totally non by the place. Did you go under the water? Did you go in holy water? I remember walking uh, long near cliff. water. <laughs> I remember walking along a cliff and having to like have my hands pressed against the cliff the whole time and thinking, this is absolute idiocy. What am I doing? Uh, but there was like there's pilgrimages to Lourdes every year from every village in Ireland. Eh. I think of it as like essentially just an excuse to have your own version of the Canterbury Tales. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it's yeah. a pilgrimage, you know, like whatever people do whenever they're there. It's like Vegas, you know. Yeah, he's, what goes in Vegas stays in Vegas. What happens in Lourdes stays in Lourdes. Yeah. and well, between you and God as well. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like I think the implication is they took the child to Las Vegas instead of Lourdes. 
<laughs> was it not that the that child. you went to Las Vegas and the child was meant to go to Lourdes or the fact that he may have taken the child to Las Vegas <laughs> yeah I, th- I think Ted took the money and went to Las Vegas uh, but anyway, it, it wouldn't have worked out with the money like it costs a lot to get to Vegas loads yeah. <laughs> that's not a lot of cash to work with I'm sure Ryanair were probably doing it for about 150 quid back then in 98 <laughs> yeah Ryanair's been going right well good god I can never remember actually when they started yeah, when Ryanair first started their big their big deal was that they were flying from Dublin to London for 120 pounds as it was in the time mm. which is about a third of the price that Air Lingus were doing it. Mm. and it, it completely changed Ireland's air travel in general. Yeah, well, yeah. Ireland's relation to everything all of a sudden. That's a travel hub. But the the fact that the, he disappeared off to Las Vegas, I am going to give Ted the benefit of the doubt, and he was just trying to increase the money. You know, he's taking the funds to go and raise yeah. himself more cash, and, and, and the roll of the dice just went wrong for him. He, he isn't a bad man. <laughs> Maybe he did take the kid, and the kid wanted to go to Vegas. Yeah, or the, essentially, if you think you're going to have a last wish, where do you want to go, Lords or Vegas? Vegas. <laughs> Maybe what happened was he went to the airport uh, and he was looking down the list of the venues. L. Vegas. And just the boards are so complicated you can't yeah, sort of keep He just got onto the wrong side and he'd already arrived and what can you do then? Yeah. <laughs> and you wouldn't stop a priest from getting a plane. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. In that time period the respect for the priest was strong enough that you would have stopped A priest with a child that looks like a good image. I'd take them out of the country. Yeah. Oh, oh my. Uh, and Dougal gets referred to as a cabbage by uh, uh, and he had a Black Rock incident. There were only nuns. I have searched about this. There was actually a convent in Black Rock, the Carmelite nuns. <laughs> Did it blow uh, up? Because it's that way. That would be a bizarre reference to truth. Well, you do say this. It closed in 1997, <laughs> which is about a year and a half after this episode. Did so, you say why? Uh, it's just they ran out of. There were seven nuns at the end. So they ran out of nuns. We're all out of nuns. Well, uh, we imported penguins, but they didn't do the same job. <laughs> the lives that were put at risk by Dougal's actions clearly had a knock-on <laughs> effect. Uh, but Black Rock is. If it's the same Black Rock I'm thinking of, uh, where Carmelite Nuns is, it's actually a very well-off part of Dublin and historically always has been. Mm-hmm. So Dougal had quite a good start in, uh, in, his, pre- in his priest career. He could have had a nice wee number going. <laughs> like, uh, I'm sure Ted would have given his right arm to get that. To be down in Black Rock. Yeah. yeah. Black, Black Rock's in South, South Dublin City. And it's, it's like, it is one of the richest areas of Dublin, which necessarily means one of the richest areas. Does, does it seem or feel like that maybe Dougal got shoved in there hoping that he wouldn't make a big deal and then he made a lot of noise while he was there unintentionally just by being Dougal? And then that's why they had to get him the hell out of Dublin. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, see, I'd imagine a place like that to be a priest is probably a piss easy number like guy all you have to do is just show up at 11 o'clock every Sunday and do a few funerals and that's you that's you sorted like you don't have to actually go into the community and try and you know get heroin addicts off the needle I've always had a mild theory that Dougal was essentially like the son of a uh, son of somebody who just wanted him to put him in an easy place in the priesthood and then we'll put him aside They mentioned another cult sci-fi film. This is a, they're actually uh, racking up quite a big number of these. Flatliners. Oh, yeah. Much much Flatliners. Yeah. yeah. I love that movie. <laughs> so give us a quick uh, rundown of... Uh, what Flatliners is about? Yeah. Oh, essentially Flatliners is about a bunch of people who get thrilled from uh, going into the, the brainscape of persons whenever they're actually just about to die. So essentially it's when you flatlined, you've actually got this opened up mind-bending experience and essentially like, it's like nightmares and stuff that happen. It's Kiefer Sutherland doing the long boys via brain chemistry <laughs> Jack watching that puts my respect for Jack as a movie movie fan be all amazingly up especially considering his choice in movies after this which is a weird choice for Jack to be sitting watching anyway like just to be the near the point of death maybe he's uh, discussing spiritual terms and mortality and stuff. I know I mean yeah, it's actually like or, or that he's a living zombie <laughs> but speaking of cinema uh, we do have another clip 
cultural cinema doesn't seem to go down as well in Craggy Island <laughs> as no. maybe Flatliners would. So if you can tell us, uh, if you can show I us an example. I was to say, we have a treat in store today for all ye fans of French cinema. Is this subtitled? Pardon? Is it subtitled or is it dubbed? It's subtitled. <laughs> That's contender for my line of the show. Yeah, uh, Jesus. <laughs> people hate subtitled movies, and yeah. they still do. And it's, it's really hard to get people to get over the fact that a film is subtitled. I, I find it really difficult, cause especially because part of my over is Japanese films oh, and Asian cinema. Oh, and stuff, whenever yeah. I talk about them and animation as well, like there's getting people to sit down to watch 24 episodes of anything is difficult getting them to watch 24 episodes of something that's not in their language fairly difficult things that are 24 episodes that are not in their language and have no cultural stu- touchstones whatsoever yeah ah Jesus yeah. <laughs> and walk out of the room Dougal uh, decides that maybe they should have a quick watch of Passions and Tibulus just before they actually start the protest, just I mean, in case it's the next commitment. You can't get offended by it until you actually completely understand the most offensive material you've ever seen. I mean, that's the whole point of it. <laughs> Too many times things are just protested against before they actually know the content of it. Yeah, they I mean, mo- mostly, mostly just from hearsay and un- unknown knowledge in a lot of cases. The, the, one, the one thing that springs directly to mind is the life of Brian. Mm. I remember I remember uh, Michael Palin and John Cleese on a chat show and there is a vicar of some sort. Now, the life of Brian would have been absolutely you know groundbreaking as far as, you know, hitting the church back then. Yes, yeah, in that's England. Exactly. There's almost a parallel for that for Father Ted in general. Palin just turned around and, and after this priest has gone this massive diatribe about how so sacrilegious it is, just turned around and goes, have you seen it? Right. And the priest goes, no, I wouldn't see it. Of course I wouldn't. Yeah. And he's like, well, what can you say then? You're just making this up. You, and you literally have no basis for your opinion. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. At least Dougal wanted to see if it was the next commitment. Which is the probably most intelligent thing as you yeah. decide in the entire episode. Is like, well, sure, Ted, we would better to know what it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have to know what we're actually protesting about. Yeah. Uh, the commitment, of course, is a Roddy Doyle film about a soul band in Dublin. Have you actually seen it? Yeah, of course I have. Yeah, yeah, there's plenty of reasons why I've seen that movie. I used to get crap about looking like Andrew, Andrew Strong, Rob Strong, Andrew Strong from that. Andrew film. Strong, he's the big singer. Yeah, the big singer. I used to have the, I used to have the ponytail and the hair and That's everything. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I used to get that quite a lot. Yeah, I just, I'll just mention actually, me and Darren know each other way back. We were in the same school and everything. You were a few, a few years ahead of me. Ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we, we know each other from going way back. And, yeah, and whenever stuff. I had hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's the easiest way. That's how far back <laughs> when I had hair. Uh, but yeah, the commitments, I mean, it was the biggest uh, film event in Ireland ever and the fact that it was so successful it was just about you know a lot of ones in Dublin just starting a band The Commitments as a film was an amazing piece of filmmaking just for the fact that it showed life in Dublin really well and it wasn't it wasn't, it wasn't intentionally funny but it was comedic it wasn't intentionally hard hitting but it showed harshness Yeah, it had a lot of things that made it a very realist film for what it was even though it was a a bit of a flight of fancy in the way that it's actually like the, the what the world was for all the people that were playing in it. Well, I mean, it was it was a Roger Wilde book, which is yeah. all the uh, all the sort of subjects he deals with is just working class Dublin. Yeah. As I said, it made fifteen million dollars in the U.S. box office, which for an Irish film is absolutely astronomical because mm-hmm. it was probably made on a budget of maybe two hundred thousand Irish pounds at the time, like mm-hmm. or something something of that number. Yeah, and it also launched Glenn Hansard. He's one of the he's one of the members of the band. Well, he went on, of course, to start doing Friends and uh, the Oscar-winning Once mm-hmm. uh, musical. So he, he's he's gone on to greater, bigger and better things. The cinema owner was played by John Kenny. Uh, he will be seen, of course, later in a different role completely in the uh, Eurovision episode. So we're not going to talk too much about him today. 
they've done this a number of times where they've used the same actors. We have a running feature which doesn't actually come up today, but it's uh, spot the creator or meet the maker. All right, <laughs> meet, your, see, meet your maker. Meet your maker. <laughs> where uh, we see Graham or Arthur on screen, mm. and they're playing a, a multitude of different characters. So they were obviously saving budget every way they could. Oh. But like the audience doesn't care. Yeah, the I think audience it, I, knows I, that it's it's the same actor. Well, that's now kind of, those websites all around, you know, hundred things wrong with the latest Spider-Man film. Like, because oh, ripped here, and so now people are making a big deal of that. They might think it is a bigger thing it. now because of playback. Probably in the nineties, it was a lot less so. I remember a story whenever I was in uni chatting about Irish melodrama on stage, and where there's one guy in the crowd got up and shouted at the actor saying, "You're doing it wrong," because he had moved his foot in the wrong position for the stance he was doing, and it's just about an educated audience. It's becoming because of their well, re- constant replayability and people's own knowledge of film production means that they're spotting these things. Yeah, but I mean, does it actually make any difference to your experience of watching Spider-Man, the fact no. that you saw he was wearing a strap at his right uh, shoulder and then wasn't? It's like, no, really? I mean, do people really give a shit? I mean, how many people do they think this was going to reach at the time? At the time? Well, this yeah. is true as well, yeah. Like, big, they were probably just hoping, let's please get to six episodes and see what happens. They, yeah. they probably had no idea it was going to be still being told about. 21 years later exactly and that's again the impact like they, they didn't care at the time because they were just hoping for it to be broadcast I, I think that's half the charm as well is the fact that it, it was such a I said before a homemade ethic it's not the phrase I'm looking for but you know what I mean it's like I heard Graham Linehan talking about um, someone in the US tried to remake the IT crowd and they recreated the first episode shot for shot like, I mean literally shot for shot and he watched that and was going like why have they copied that we didn't know what we were doing it wasn't like they selected the shots they just pointed the camera and we yeah. got, we got <laughs> out like that. and then they had someone in America just going oh well I wonder why they've done this and because to it. Exactly. in generation previous that like whenever they tried to remake Red Dwarf they tried to refine it and then it lost all of its charm yeah. because of that so they're essentially trying to capture charm the went to the film. The film was called The Passion of Centibulus. <laughs> uh, Do you know, like, there is no Centibulus, you know that? Well, I know it now because you did the research for me. So, there is no Centibulus, but there is the tibia and the tibial bone. And I'm like, almost thinking it's like, it's, it, do you know, it's one of those things where it's like almost a writerly thing where I'm like, I need to find a name that sounds religious. Tibia, tibia, tibialus, tibia. Passion of the Bone, because it sounds like it's relevant to the movie anyway. <laughs> so it seems as like they just played with the name a wee bit, because that's the only thing I could get reference to. Because we're so used to, as Catholics, just having fucking, you know, saints names just bundled at you, and you're, you're expected to know that, you know, such and such, the patron saint of losing stuff. I remember, I remember a few years ago, they actually got rid of some of those saints. They just kind of went, well, you're getting demoted, and you two are getting combined together, so... <laughs> yeah, well, the whole process is just supposed to... Um, Committed to miracles. Committed to some miracles. I think it's three miracles. Yeah, I think I think it was actually like you have to, and they can they've changed it so it can be post homeless. No, so you can actually have caused a miracle after you've died. After you did. Some miracles has to have happened because of your actions. But um, I think it was actually previously to be beatified. It was you only had to do one, and then to be a saint, it had to be two or three. And that some people just couldn't make it to saint. They just could, they didn't have it in them. Yeah, to do <laughs> miraculous events. Well, we went to Christian Brothers mm-hmm. School in Oma, and it was founded by. Well, the whole Christian Brothers schools was founded by Edmund Rice. Edmund Rice. And he was beatified Edmund yeah. Rice before we left. Yeah. But he's not going to go any further because all he did was open up educational establishments for Which people. was a miracle in Ireland anyway in the first <laughs> place. for that. Well, he won't get a sainthood because it's not a miracle. The mm. fact that he did it, like, he just... You know, surely that's a bigger achievement. Bringing education to many people. I, I mean, it's just plenty of questions. Well, what's St. Patrick's like? miracles? Oh, well, I mean... Spanish and the snakes? This is my thought. If childbirth is a miracle, mm-hmm. which is often described as, how many uh, mothers of three children should be uh, beatified then? Should it? I think all of them. Because they've all got three. They've all got three children. 
Uh, so if we could just play us a trip then, uh, Ted. Ted? <laughs> Ted? Oh, sorry, I said. What was all that about? You're asking the wrong person there, Ted. <laughs> I couldn't make head nor tail of it. I know for a fact that St. Tibulus wore more clothes than that. <laughs> he was from Norway or somewhere. He'd have frozen to death. And, and do you remember that bit when St. Tibulus, he tried to take that banana off the other lad? <laughs> that wasn't a banana, Dougal. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, that uh, shows that the two priests didn't actually like the fashion centibulous. Like, they didn't actually fall into the, the, the lust trap, if you want. Like, they genuinely didn't, were put off by it. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things that they may have disliked about it, but... <laughs> it's not, it's not a problem so Jack... He <laughs> <laughs> was just more confused and upset. <laughs> it wasn't a problem Jack had, as we, as we found out earlier. The different types of humour the father had uh, actually expands upon because that obviously was a bit of a, bl- a bit of blue humour, yeah, yeah, uh, a bit of you know innuendo. Like your dad, yeah. Well, and then you go back to the start of the episode where you find out where Ted's candles come from, mm-hmm. and suddenly you've got a gross out humour. But yeah. the fact that they started with gross out humour at the beginning of this episode, which is uh, Father Jack's ears are full of wax, so it's enough to actually have a papal funeral because yeah. there's actually that many candles in the house made out of his earwax. It's disgusting. But that's actually a disgusting joke they can like uh, start off with that talking about this afterwards immediately is um, rebalanced by it. I mean, it even shows that were designed for younger family audiences, like uh, the Animaniacs, would actually go for the big the, the big dirty to the wee dirty so that they could actually balance it out. So like, if this one gets past people and they don't get too upset by it, nobody's going to care about this. <laughs> right. That, that's all I wanted to mention is that you know, it's the first time you hear about that, Ooh. what these capitals are. Like, it is, you are just disgusted by the thought of it, but it is just the right side of the line that it's not actually, you know, going to put people off. Like, it's yeah. not going to put... Well, it might put somebody off their dinner, but... I had the time. But that was... Uh, it was your line of the show, was it, Ash? The, uh, the banana? I, I just remember watching that as a kid. I don't think I saw it the first time around, but it must be when it's repeated on Channel 4 or something. But the whole thing about the banana, I remember that was like, that was hilarious. That was the best bit of that episode for me at the time. It's, it's again, Dougal's misunderstanding. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a clever joke if you're a little kid. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's, it's very clever if you're a little kid. It's also the fact that for Dougal to mistake it for a banana as well, it's a little bit odd. Yeah, it's like, what situation could they have possibly been in where you're trying to pass another guy's dick to another person and Dougal thought well, it was a banana? that's why it's good for... You know, younger people watching it because you've still got someone who's even stupider than you. Yeah. To laugh at. Yeah. Well, that that was it. Like, it was really like a nine-year-old or something. Like, ah, idiot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the third episode in a row where John and Mary have showed up, mm-hmm. the two shopkeepers, uh, and I didn't realize how prevalent they were at the start because we've discussed it in the earlier episode. They don't actually show up that much over the course of the series, mm-hmm. so they must have front-loaded them very. A lot in the first few episodes. Yeah, but from one, this is me going from memory in the show that they appear less, but their relationship gets a lot more interesting mm. as the show goes on. But this is the third episode in a row, and it's actually probably the timest of their sort of mm. tete-a-tetes that they have. And it's, I say almost by this point, that joke is starting to wear a bit thin. Mm. You know, maybe they they, t- they cut it back in the next few episodes. We'll see as we go through the podcast. Because uh, it wasn't it wasn't having the impact that it was going to have again and again. So we'll, we'll see how that develops anyway, but they have showed up in their first three episodes, which I was surprised by. And Ted and Dougal's protests seem to be falling on deaf ears, as we'll see from the local parishioners. 
Ah, hello, Mrs. Sheridan, Mrs. Glynn. The Passionate Scene Time Mule is what's that? Is it a Western or a musical or something? We always go on Tuesdays. It gets us out of the house. Oh, we saw a great one a few weeks ago, The Crying Game. Oh, it was brilliant. Oh, but there was this great bit in it. You see, there was this girl, and then you find out it's not a girl, but a man. And he got his lad out. What? what? Yes, he got his lad out. Only, you only see it for a second, but you get the message. I didn't know what it was at first. It's so long since I've seen one. <laughs> I thought it looked rather like your billies. Billy's is rounder at the top. <laughs> Cheerio, Father. Will you be stopping them going in or what? Ed, it just goes to show, Dougal, nobody takes a blind bit of notice of what the church says anyway. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly bit? right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so this is two two little old ladies have their Tuesday trip to the uh, cinema. They they cause a cardinal sin here because they've seriously spoiled a massive film. <laughs> the Crying Game. Have you, ever, have you ever heard of the Crying Game? Actually, I didn't know that was a real film. It's oh, a, it's, it's yes. a big film, and I mentioned the commitments being a big deal in America. The Crying Game was a massive deal in America. Yeah. It made Is that big, an Irish one? Yeah, uh, the IRA kidnap a British soldier, the IRA man and the soldier. They start bonding, and it turns out the soldier dies, and the Iron Man decides to take it upon himself to help the soldier's girlfriend. Now that's that's the set of the story, and you think you're going through a story about you know soldiers and honor and all this sort of stuff, and then suddenly it turns out that the the girlfriend is a man, and you don't find out until the Iron Man's about to have sex with her. He gets his lad out, and he gets his lad out. So it's it completely uh, spoilers uh, what was like this was massive, this was a massive deal film time, in, yeah, yeah, in America like. Uh, it was sixty million dollars that took in America. Like it was a huge, a huge deal for an Irishman. Is it all right to spoil it? Like a lot of things would parody Star Wars now and yeah, but it's it's all right for me saying it now. But this was might have been within a year. Yeah, it was. It would have been about that. The entire marketing of that film was the big twist. Like, don't spoil the twist. Don't spoil the twist. They'd be going on to chat shows and saying, "But what's the big twist, uh, Mr. Actor?" And the actor. Probably still countries that haven't been shown in yet. That's At that point, yeah, probably. Been, yeah. It was actually spoiler for me in a completely random way. Would you have been watching the Crying Game? Well, yeah, I, <laughs> I remember recognizing the poster. I didn't watch it. I didn't watch yeah. the Crying Game until I was in my twenties. Yeah, same here. Same here. It was spoiler for me by a fucking. Well, now it's a spoiler for me. Uh, the seven-year rule applies. Yeah, yeah, seven-year rule. I like that. It's all right now. But I remember I was looking through IMDb trivia when I first started getting into films. Like, it was just on MDB for like four hours a night sort of thing mm-hmm. I was just going through the trivia of all the films I'd seen and one of them was Hot Shots or Hot Shots Part 2 or something I can't remember in trivia notes under crazy credits or something it said uh, in the crying game the man is a woman <laughs> in the credits of the movie yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, what ah come on you can't fucking spoil it like that even as, a, <laughs> even as like a, a peripheral bit of trivia on another website that's actually talking about another film it's actually uh, admittedly at this point now people just have grown to accept that that's what it's about and anybody who hasn't already seen it should probably it, it is it is a decent enough film yeah, um, the film itself stands on its own without the twist being the important thing it was just the marketable angle from a 2016 point of view the crying game probably quite uh, ahead of its time yes the way they were marketing it the, the actress played the girlfriend uh, was being portrayed as a woman to, as an, a female actor and, uh, throughout all the you know, publicity and stuff and people people had no idea like I so it was, a, it was a guy acting the whole time uh, so, so the character was in, was in drag the whole time it was a bloke yeah, yeah. 
you know, she, she was showing her premieres and stuff. Makes and, sense, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And I remember watching it in uni and with the intention of having that bomb dropped uh, to everyone who hadn't seen it. Oh, yeah. Always yeah. no one paying attention. Well, <laughs> there was a girl who was a lesbian and she goes, I bet that guy's a man. I can tell from his hands. Yeah. <laughs> and hand, I've been noticing this in the first two episodes as well. We have different little stings of music at different points. Right. When Jack shows up at the cinema and Ted and Duke will think he's going to show, give show the support, and he's striding along. He's playing along to uh, magnificent, 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 magnificent seven, seven music uh, or something similar. I don't think they were able to get the, yeah, the license yeah. to it. Uh, but again, like in the first, the, the actual first episode, I find that Benny Hill music sort of stuck out. This fitted blends for the yeah, moment. It fits a bit better. Uh, Len's about to banish him all around the world and finally, you know, end the series after three episodes. <laughs> <laughs> like a very, very short run series. Yeah. They have them all separate from each other, going like, all right, now we're going to follow them in the single narrative tale individually. <laughs> the threat doesn't work because you know the show is going to continue on, but it, it gives a, it shows him as in, as most villainous, going like, I will tell yes. your lies. And it, it, the glee he gets yeah. of like finding the most inappropriate place to put them yeah he, like, he, he enjoys that he, he, enjoys he wants, wants to put Dougal on a mountain <laughs> yeah like, let's put a man who doesn't know how to actually dress himself on a mountain on his own <laughs> like, say, say, that idea of like separating them off from anything that they love and the whole dear makes them a horrible person which makes the payoff so much sweeter yeah yeah. let's so, not forget they've already been punished as well yeah they? yeah, they're yeah they're 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 Craig Yagan they're level one <laughs> <laughs> this is, yeah this is the first level of uh, the first <laughs> circle of hell <laughs> we're actually doing Dante's Inferno yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, I think this is one of the top five episodes. This uh, I'm, I'm gonna like when we get to the end of this. I'm gonna try and make a list of Do top five. List of this is definitely yeah. I think gonna go into it. I, th- I think it's an absolutely brilliant episode, and I think this probably launched Fatherhead as not just a new sitcom at the time. I think this launched it to a new level. The sitcoms at the time were like the big ones were Friends yeah. and. Only Fools and Horses, but that was sort of wound down wind by, down as well, yeah. by that point. But it was on the specials at that point, wasn't it? Even no, they, uh, they didn't possibly, have an ongoing series. The, they just the, had the specials. The big, the big uh, Only Fools was in 1996, yeah. where he, he finally made, he became a millionaire. Yeah. So it was sort of towards the end of that. I think it was an absolutely genius episode. Like, there's so many laughs. There's, you know, great plot, uh, introducing the characters, you know, Everything there's migrants, there's uh, environmental kind of stuff, there's characters, uh, the, the actual, like you said, this feels like it should have been a first episode, but wasn't done as the first episode. I think it's better they didn't. Yep. And I think they, they made a brilliant editorial decision by not making this first episode. Yeah. The other thing is funny if you didn't know what they were like a bit. It's like Peep Show or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to watch a few. T- it's much funnier when you know what the characters are like. You know how they'll react to situations once they're yeah, presented because yeah. you're actually just anticipating their reaction rather than actually just seeing yeah. them react. That's why this show works so well. Exactly, exactly. Uh, well, we've been looking at the the, the audience ratings on TV DB. Uh, this one gets a seven point eight compared to the seven point nine of last week's episode, mm-hmm. which I that's bullshit. Yeah, I can't. I, 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 I say really last week's episode like Father Stone. <laughs> Pretty much everyone last week said. It's the least favorite episode. I don't know. Maybe it's just the fact that I do like the dryness, but I mean, I'd be on the side of saying I enjoyed the previous episode. I do. I think this one's amazing, but I just think the Fire Stone episode is actually pretty. You think it's better? I, I yeah. But is I, it, personally, I think it's better. But I could see why people would say this one's better. Why? When was the last time you saw it? The last time I saw Entertain Father Stone would have been probably. Like, well, it, w- it wouldn't have been within the last year. Definitely wouldn't be fresh okay. in my memory. That's I remember laughing more at it. I think the character, who is brilliant, mm. 
uh, lasted longer than the actual episode. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, I have you're right. Ever, I yeah. know what you, exactly what you mean. That's why I like Father Stone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'll I'll play the episode because you haven't actually heard it yet because we haven't been putting these live yet. But mm-hmm. um, I'll play the episode and you can go through why we thought that. Yeah. Uh, but the character just lived longer than the episode did. He's stronger than the episode. Yeah. That he starts off in. That yeah. makes Whereas so much this sense. one, the episode is. Is, is hilarious you get the two wee pesters who I completely forgot about and they're chatting about one of their husband's dicks like so they obviously both had a, <laughs> both had a look like that's the thing it's all, everything in life is about the big purple vein dick joke <laughs> well not quite no <laughs> well no no it's more of a kind of rounded top yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah no so thank you uh, very much uh, for coming down here at Durham no worries at all I had a great last this yeah, and we'll hopefully have it back at some point. More and more. Uh, we happy. do intend to go through all 24 episodes and a Christmas special, so we're, uh, we'll be doing this uh, long term. I'd also like to just, thank. Just book me in a couple of weeks in advance, just so I can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, exactly. We, we, uh, you're a second choice for Richard Herring. Just, oh, just, <laughs> just so you know that, alright? <laughs> <laughs> Richard Herring's playing Belfast, so we're about to, we're about to go see him live uh, in a couple of hours, but. Uh, no, but thanks very much, definitely, and uh, thank you very much for Ash as well and his theme tune, which I didn't credit him for last week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's terrible, man. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's great. I, yeah, I like that tune. I, like, uh, I want to copy that. And, and we still <laughs> need to give some sort of catchphrase. I've been saying "bless you" at the end of episodes, but I don't think it works. No, I, I like that. Uh, bless you. Actually. It is Sunday. It is Sunday. Well, yeah, so thanks very much for listening, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And you catch us next week when we're discussing competition time. I made the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we'll be listening back to that, and hopefully you'll join us for that then. Thank you very much, and bless you. Bye-bye. <laughs>